Well, hello there, my courageous beauties. This is your host, Crystal, and welcome back to another episode of Courageous Beauty Podcast. It is Wisdom Wednesday, so let's get into the word. So this topic is going to be called, Don't Let the World Choke Out the Word, okay? So uh, definitely going to be heavily scripture-related today, and uh, so I'm just going to get started. So the the one of the main um, scripture references that I'm going to speak on is Matthew 13, 3 through 23, and that's in the King James, but I want to pull out some key scriptures after that. So I'm going to read the full thing in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll, we'll speak out or pull out some key scriptures, um, that I want to reference. So Matthew 13, two through 23 says, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship and set, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophet Elias, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and, and shall not perceive. For this people, people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. Least at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I shall heal them. But... Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you have, which you hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. So when one, so when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then come, then cometh the wicked one. And catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed unto stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath no, hath he no root in himself to to you know he has no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word 
and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some and a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So I know that was a lot. So that's why I say I want to read it. And then I want to pull out some key scriptures that I want to elaborate on. So the first one is Matthew 13, verse 7, which I've already read. And it says, and some fell among thorns and thorns sprang up and choked them. Okay. Yet, and then I'm going to go through 21 through 23. So Matthew uh, chapter 13, 21 through 23. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Verse 22, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that re- that heareth the word and the care of his world, of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bring it, bringeth forth some and hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Okay. So don't let the word, the world choke out the word, meaning don't allow what you seek after in this world, make you forget God's word. Okay. You have, you, 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 you may have it for a minute. Then the next you get distracted by, by your desires, right? So riches and things that God give us are not evil in themselves, but can be a vessel for evil to brew if we allow them to consume us we must remember that god created all things now in first chronicles 29 11 through 13 king david he knew everything he owned belonged to the lord anyway right verse 11 it says thine O lord is thy is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Verse 12 says, both riches and honor come from thee, and, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Verse 13 says, now therefore our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. And 14 says, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and thine own have we have we given thee. So in other words, even when we give our tithes and offering, it belongs to God anyway. So we're not taking anything from ourselves technically, and we're giving it unto God. So the thing of it is, is that God owns the owns the cattle of a thousand hill anyway, literally and symbolically telling us that as far as your eyes can see, it all belongs to the Lord. So no matter how much you have, it was given to you, even if you worked hard for it or you think you worked hard for it, right? God gave you the ability to work anyway. He made your body well enough for you to do it. Therefore, we should seek him first in all we do and everything else comes last. We have, we, we can have wealth and the word, and have a balance. In fact, it is God's good pleasure to bless us. Eleven. It says uh, Luke twelve thirty two. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, and to enjoy a good life is a gift from God. 
Ecclesiastics 5.19 says, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. So don't get it twisted. It's not wrong to be rich. It's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not wrong to have these things. It just means that, you know, when things start to take precedence over God and his word, that's when we have a problem, right? And there is a, um, it, Jesus once said it is in Matthew 19, 24, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, the eye of the needle in this dispensation of time was indeed a narrow gateway in Jerusalem. And so the reason for this is the narrow entrance in Jerusalem, they, their transportation was camels. And so it was so narrow that it required the camels to be unloaded of the goods and riders that were on top of the camel in order for, uh, you know, the camel to be able to pass through the entrance. Right. I mean, camels are already tall anyway. So imagine they were all loaded. So they had to be unloaded of all their goods and the riders in order for it to pass through. Now that's an analogy to someone with a lot of worldly possessions and materials. They'll have to unload that in order to enter into heaven, into the kingdom of God. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to be stripped of what you have, what you put your value in, in order for you to understand that it was given to you. It wasn't anything that you deserved or anything that you earned. Even if you worked hard for it, the ability to be able to work hard for it was still given to you. You see, so nothing that we have is ours anyway. Now, um, Mark 10 through 17 uh, through 26, doing a lot of reading today. Um, it says, and this is to to uh, go with what we what I just talked about. Um, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? Question mark. There is none good but one. That is God. So that's something to think about. Don't think people that come across as uh, super spiritual or holier than thou. And oh, people that tell you, oh, I have a good heart. Jesus said it right here. He, he told them not to call him good. You see? So if Jesus being without sin, <laughs> telling us not to call him good, we should know that we're not good either. Right? Okay. Only one is good. And that is God. Now he says, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, meaning don't be lying on folk, don't defraud, honor thy father and mother. And then he said, he answered and said unto him, master, all these have I observed from my youth. So the kid was telling him like, look, since I've been young, I've done all this. Then Jesus beholding him, he took a look at him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have a have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. So in other words, you say, give up everything you got and come follow me. 
And in verse 22, it says, and he was sad at that saying. The kid was immediately sad. Now he went and asked Jesus what he could do to get eternal life. So, so when you pray and ask God for something, it may not be the answer that you're looking for. <laughs> Sidebar. You, you, you may not hear, you may not like what you hear. Uh, don't mean that you, that you're not supposed to do it. It just means you may not like it. And he was sad at the saying and went away grieved. He was grieved in his spirit because his flesh, it grieves for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches entered into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said unto him, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So that's what I was talking about earlier about how there was a narrow pathway and all that good stuff like that. So in other words, he was telling the young kid, like, look, you're going to have to unload your worldly possessions because you got all the other stuff down pat. You know, the commandments, you got all that, but you got this one thing that you are, that's holding you back. Okay. And they were, and the disciples were even astonished astonished out of measure saying among themselves well then who can be saved because in other words he was saying the kids already done everything but you know that's where god was saying you know through man is it's impossible but, but through god it's it's there's nothing that's impossible now let's talk about the rich uh young ruler for a second because to me it seems he he wanted a form of godliness, but he was denying the power thereof. He was denying what would, would it have taken, the sacrifice that he would have had to take in order to walk with Christ. Now, and it sounds like with him being sad, he couldn't handle not having both, right? He wanted to follow Jesus but and have eternal life into the kingdom, but he didn't want to give up his worldly possessions. I mean, let me let's put it in let's put it in practical terms when someone passes away in our culture i mean you're not really bearing them with their stuff because really what they're gonna do with it they can't take it it's just gonna rot you understand what i'm saying so you know i kind of touched on that in another uh podcast where we was talking about how uh king solomon was saying that you know when you leave this earth it's all in vain the things that you get because when you leave here your treasures are going to go to someone that's left here. You can't take them with you, which is why you shouldn't put your all in earthen, uh, you know, vessels. You should put store your treasures in heavenly places. You know, we still talking about don't let the word, the world choke out, choke out the wor- world. Let me try that again. <laughs> we are still talking about don't let the world choke out the word because it's important for us to understand. You know, it's important for us to stay, understand that, you know, we can't serve God and mammon. And I'm going to talk more about that. Now, like I said, it seems like the rich young ruler, he wanted a form of godliness. So he wanted to follow Jesus, but he still wanted to hold on to what he had, right? He wanted, he wanted to hang on to the world and still follow Jesus. Now I believe Jesus was also was, was trying to teach him that, you know, you, you can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. And meaning, you know, love less, serve, whatnot, right? Now, God knew that there was nothing else that would be pitted up against him that mankind would fawn after, which is mammon. Mammon, mammon meaning the things of this world. So he pitted mammon up against himself and says some folks would rather have mammon than their creator. Now, isn't it strange that we would like to have the other creations that were made by the same creator as us? 
personally, I prefer the, the creator. I prefer God because that means he can create me afresh. He can create in me a new heart, created me the right spirit, you know, change my life and wash me over, make me new at any given time. Right. But if I first seek riches, that's all I will have. And it can get lonely. Now, I wonder why the rich young ruler wanted to follow Jesus anyway. We could speculate to say he wanted fame along with his riches, or maybe he wanted to know Christ, but how, but had a hard time giving up on the things of this world to do it. Or maybe through all the riches, he felt something was missing and alone, whatever it was, you know, we got to remember that, you know, being rich don't necessarily give you peace. It doesn't necessarily give you happiness or joy. Happiness is temporary, but joy, it can make you happy for a little while. But joy is unspeakable. That joy comes from God. That that joy is when you have no money and you still find something to be thankful for. You understand what I'm saying? It's a difference between being happy and having joy. Joy, joy is the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. You know, no matter what state I'm in, I'm I'm gonna be content because God woke me up this morning. Whether I have anything, um, you know, any type of possession, that's where you get joy and peace. You know, you don't get that. You don't really necessarily get that from happiness. Happiness can come from things. Now, people can make you happy. Things, and you can say God made you happy, but really, is really it's more joy than. Joy is down in your heart, down in your soul. Happiness is surface level because you can be rich and be very miserable and be unhappy and lose your joy, right? So what we have to remember is that, um, you know, in this situation, like I said, something may have been missing. I'm speculating, you know, I don't know the rich young ruler, (laughs) but I'm just speculating that maybe he was alone. And so what we have to remember is that whatever it was, whatever our situations are, whatever we feel like we might be missing out on, we we cannot allow situations, people, things, places, and ideas to choke out the word that God has planted in our heart by giving. And the way we could do that is by giving our eyes, you know, giving what your eyes are, because they're never full of seeing. You know, giving your eyes that are never full of seeing something else to chase. The best way to try to combat this is daily meditation and God's word day and night. And um, actually meant to actually meant to put this scripture in there. So I'm actually going to go ahead and find it right now. It's not really hard to find because it's Psalms, Psalms one. So let me go ahead and grab that and read that because I'm telling you, like, It says, uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I mean, you ain't even chilling with people who are not giving good counsel, right? They're ungodly. They're gossiping. They're, you know, backbiting, talking about people, nor standing in the way of sinners, people who are just not following God's word that missed the mark, nor sitting in the seat of the scorn for people that are bitter, you know, that are angry. So blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, what he gets joy in, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf 
also shall not wither and whatsoever doeth he doeth shall prosper. So in other words, God's going to make, he's going to make you anchor in him. And you're going to have, bring forth rivers of living water. You're going to have life more abundantly. You're going to have that joy unspeakable. And you're going to bring forth in your season. God's going to bring you and you're going to be prosperous in everything you, you do and what you already have. It says his leaf also shall not wither. So if you're a tree, that means your extension of you. That means your generations won't wither. That means whatsoever you do, your it will turn into gold. It will prosper. All just because you're meditating in the word day and night. That's why you can't let the enemy choke out the word. Right? That's just verse three. Verse four says the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. People who are not the tree, they're ungodly. They're not holy. They're with the chaff which the wind bloweth away. We talked about the chaff before. That was let the wheat and the chaff or the tear, the, 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 the trash, the mess blow away, right? And you're going to keep the harvest. But what he's saying is the ungodly is the part that you throw away. And you're just blown away by the wind. You just, one day you you hot, one day you cold. In the world, people say you two-faced. Well, <laughs> here it's saying you be blown away by the wind. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the, con- in the congregation of the righteous. So you have no place with the righteous, the people that are upstanding and holding God's word down. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So we're going to say we are those that are walking in the will of God. We are those that are, you know, meditating in his word day and night. I I meant to add that. So I'm going to add that now. Um, But the reason for this is because there are troubles that are going to come. There are distractions that are going to come and that can come at any time of the day. Right. So that's why it's important to read our word day and night. And the thing of it is, we know that Satan is the prince with the power of the rule over the air. Therefore, just like when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and the enemy was trying to get him to, uh, you know, serve him. Jesus knew the word and he knew the word of God. And so it wasn't choked out of him. And I can prove it to you in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. It says that when Jesus led up, when Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Let's stop right there for a second. This is right after John the Baptist, which is Jesus' natural cousin. His first cousin was came before him, but wasn't, you know, he just basically was a, was a, a, a witness unto him to tell the people that he was coming. But they call him John the Baptist because he would baptize a whole bunch of people. He said, I'll baptize you with water, but there's one that comes after me that will baptize you with fire by, with the Holy Ghost. And now he was talking about Jesus. And so right after that, um, John baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit got, you know, heaven opened up. Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and God spoke out and said, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased, right? Very important because in Matthew 4 and 1 through 11, it tells you then the same Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus like a dove led him into the spirit. I mean, led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now you would think like, well, God, you just said, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. So even it's, it's almost symbolic to like how Job, Job in the situation where he was an upright man and he eschewed evil and he, he sacrificed 
every every morning for his children in the event that they sinned. Even if they even if he didn't know if they sinned, he sacrificed for them ahead of time to atone for their sins ahead of time. Jesus was upright and perfect. So you don't have to be perfect. And, and, and you can't sit up here and be perfect and act like there's never going to be anything that happens to you. The whole reason why he this happened is to prepare him for the fight, prepare him for his mission that he was going to have. It, he, God wants his a return on his investment. So he's like, okay, well, if you're going to be the ultimate sacrifice, you're going to have to be able to go through and to show my people they can go through as well. But the precedent was set. And the whole thing that got the whole thing that got him through was him knowing the word. That's why it's so important for us to know God's word, to know his instructions. So I'm gonna read it. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness. Wilderness is empty place, a void place, wherever the wilderness. You can picture a literal wilderness, a desert, if you will, something dry, something that won't give you satisfaction. Any place in your life that's void of of anything or any low place that you could be considered could be considered a wilderness right? Everybody has their own wilderness experience. Your wilderness experience may not look like mine because it may not be the area where I may be tempted at. You understand what I'm saying? And so, um, I can keep stopping and keep going over this, but this is, this is, this is getting to the nitty gritty and it's getting important. So then was Jesus led up of the spirit, Holy spirit, mind you, until the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, first of all, I ain't never fasted no 40 days or 40 nights. He was afterward and hungry, right? So now he done got led. He done, he done got baptized. God said, this is my beloved son who I will please. The Holy Spirit descended on him. Then he done got led into the wilderness, a lonely, dry place to be tempted by Satan with the power of rule over the air and then fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was a bad boy. Do you hear me? And I mean that in the best way possible. He was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, Satan told Jesus, he knew he was hungry. Okay. He'll try to kick you when you down. He said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now Jesus could have did it, but that, that would have, that would have messed up everything that needed to happen. And then it says, Jesus said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the the mouth of God. So sometimes you even gonna have to push your plate away. You're going to have to push your plate away so that it doesn't choke out the word. Okay. You're going to have to fast sometimes or whatever it is that you hold so precious and dear you're gonna have to give that up sometimes in order to understand that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple so he literally took him transported him up to on a on a pinnacle the top part of a temple and said to him if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, meaning commit suicide. Just jump down, right? That's what he's telling him to do. And Jesus said, for it is written, 
he, I mean, Satan actually said this to Jesus, excuse me. He said he was quoting Psalm 91, but he was misquoting it. He said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up. List at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So he was tempting him even with the word. So you see how dangerous the enemy is. He knows scripture. So you know how the world tells you, oh, you got to keep your enemies closer. You got to know your enemy. You got to watch your back. Yeah, you do. And the way you do that is by knowing your scripture, knowing the word. So he can't choke the word out of you because you have to use that as your weapon. See, he's using it to try to pervert you. You're using it to overcome him because he can't. He's not more powerful than the word of God. But he is if you don't know it. Right. He tried to use the word on him. He said, if thou be the son of God, meaning like, oh, okay, so if you be, if you be Jesus, if you be the Messiah, if you be the son of God, cast thyself down then, because you already know it's written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, and in thy hands they shall dash, they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot, foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, right? So don't be trying to tempt me, is what he said. He was like, listen, bro. Don't, don't tempt God. (laughs) And in verse eight, again, it says the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. That's why you got to watch the music industry. You got to watch all these different industries because if Satan has the power to rule over the air, don't you understand that all this music and this all this nonsense coming out and the media and social media, faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. So if I'm constantly inundating myself with negativity and cussing and cursing and hurtful things, and I'm not filtrating my spirit with the word of, through the word of God, do you know that the enemy can can have you pinpoint right where he wants you to be? And you think you're just living a good life and you got all the riches and all the wealth, but yet you forgot about God. You have to be careful what you feed in your spirit. And I ain't sitting here telling you I don't listen to R&B or some rap music, but you better believe I'm going to sprinkle in some Jesus music up in there. You understand what I'm saying? Because this it's, it's wise to have a balance. Even Jesus went to a wedding and turned water into wine because that was the word being made flesh. You have to meet people where they are. You don't necessarily have to do what they do, but you do have to meet people where they are in order to try to tell them about God. You have to be, you have to be around humanity because you are human. So don't get it twisted and, and, and don't act like you don't meet folk where they are and see them at you. You go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come. If I got to go to a bar and I'm sitting there because God told me to, I may have to speak to someone about Jesus and save their life. That made crop fairy have been their last drink and they're going to try to commit suicide. We rebuke suicide in the name of Jesus. We speak life and life more abundantly. So you have to be obedient. You can't be so staunch and so, oh, no, I don't do this and I don't do that. Well, how are you going to get anybody saved? Because Jesus said, I came to those that are sick. The sick are those that need a physician. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to be smarter than that. You got to have use, use wisdom. That's just another sidebar. But Jesus told him, he said, He's, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. 
And Jesus said unto him, all these things, no, I'm sorry. And Satan said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and only him shalt thou serve. And then the devil leaveth him finally, right? And then, then behold, the angels came and ministered unto Jesus. But Satan knew. He knew the whole, he knew that the Holy Spirit sent Jesus to be tempted of him, right? To strengthen him. But Satan came at a time when Jesus was weak in his body because he was fasting. Now, you know, Satan will try to do that to us. We have to know that. Okay, because he wants to cause distractions and try to offer you something glittery, something that piques your desires to try to make you forget the, the word of God and his will. He told Jesus that he would give him all the kingdoms of the world, just like I told you, if he would bow down and serve him. And and and, and Jesus knew the word. So he like, no, we only going to serve God. We only going to serve the Lord. And he say, and God is a jealous God. He's not going to have any other gods before him. Jesus knew the word because he is the word and was the word. And the word was with God. So we have to know so we can escape the enemy's tactics on a daily basis. Even though Jesus afterward, you know, the temptation was weak in his flesh. He was hungry. His spirit was made strong for his mission. God knew that if he was going to take on all the sin of the world, he had to be strengthened in his inner man and in his spirit in order to take on what he had to do, right? Which was to die for all of our sins, you know? Now, take Judas, for example. He was one of the disciples walking with Jesus that had money on his mind, right? He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver and betrayed him with a kiss. Jesus was so regular that the people that wanted to try to crucify him didn't even know what he looked like because he wasn't trying to be holier than thou or trying to be better. He just blended in with the crowd. So Judas, who betrayed him, had to kiss him. That was a greeting back in the day. He they had to kiss, he had to kiss him just so they would know who to take. You see what I'm saying? But Jews, but Judas betrayed Jesus over some money, thirty pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. Now, in Proverbs 30, 11 and 14, it says, there is a generation that curses his father and does not bless his mother. There is a generation that is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are thou eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Let's not be this generation. Let's take back our power and take up our beds and walk in the righteousness God has called us to walk in. Let's make our walk with the Lord better by every day, meditating in his word, his daily instructions by getting into his word every day. Don't think for a minute I've arrived and that I'm not also talking to me because more often than not, these podcast episodes, these Bible studies stem from something that God wants me to hear first before I share it. So it most definitely applies to me, my loves. So we, we have to make sure that we do not let the word, the world choke, choke out the word. Now, for whatever reason, God had me talking about all these riches. I don't know if somebody about to get blessed 
or I'm about to get blessed. Somebody about to get blessed with a whole bunch of money or some blessings or some responsibility or whatever, because your blessings are not always monetary. It could definitely be peace. They could definitely be joy. But whatever the case may be, God will tell you what to do and warn you before you get your blessing so that you know, like, okay, now I done told you this is what I need you to do beforehand. Because the warning comes before the fall. God is so gracious and so merciful. He'll let you know, like, yo, I'm getting ready to bless you, but I'm going to tell you, you need to watch out for this before I bless you. Before this blessing comes, you need to watch out for this. You know, you need to watch out for this and be prepared so that when you get your blessing, you don't lose it. And you don't lose your sense of reality. You don't lose your sense of humility. You don't lose your sense of being able to be a blessing. There was something that I actually... um neglected to mention when I was talking about King David, when I talked about first Chronicles 29 11, further up in the scripture, it talked about how King David was so willing to be a blessing that, you know, he had so many riches. And I even seen something on, on uh, Google through some research was talking about, he literally would have been a billionaire to this day, but he literally gave it all away because his, his, his dying wish was to build the kingdom. Um, I mean, to build a, um, a home, you know, like a house of God, you know what I'm saying? A house for the Lord, even though he had sin, he had blood, blood on his hands. Um, you know, so he couldn't build the temple. So he had to, he, he asked God to bless his son, which was King Solomon to build the temple. So anyway, I just wanted to point out that he was a cheerful giver. You know, he was the apple of God's eye because he was a worshiper and he gave. And so, you know, the, so, so take those things out you know, with you. It's nothing wrong with having riches, but don't let it choke, choke out the word of God. Don't be bitter, be a chill forgiver and make sure you meditate in the word of God day and night, you know? So I really hope this helps. I really hope you enjoyed this episode t- today. And of course, we'll be coming back with more Wisdom Wednesdays and um, hopefully I'll um, have a guest soon. Um, not sure when or who it may be, but I'm going to reach out to some folks and see if you may want to come and join the team for an episode or so. So yeah, um, be blessed and, uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye.